You are listening to Radiant Creators, a collaborative project composed of people whose passion, purpose, and dedication requires forging their own unique path of empowerment and livelihood. A Radiant Creator isn't making a living, they are living. Welcome to the show, uh, Sam the Miracle Man. By the way, I'll just mention we are recording, we're not live streaming tonight, so it's just you and me until this gets uploaded, you know. But how are things, how, how's life in the miracle business? It's good, Greg. Craig, yeah, it's good to be on here with you tonight. So it's, it's good. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, you had the opportunity to see what I, how I actually worked last night. Yeah, that was an amazing experience. So for those who, who are listening, I was in Sam's uh, kind of group healings that he's doing or group sessions. And there's a good number of us there. And we do, a, we talk about what we're bringing, you know, what we need to help uh, clear, what we need, you know, clarity on. And also, well, then we move into a, a, a meditation with Sam. And during that meditation, what, so what's happening? What's that format of the show? Well, I shouldn't say show, but the, the, the circle, what's the format there that's happening? Yeah, it's just, yeah, just creating that circle, just connecting everyone, just reminding everyone that we're all connected, whether we realize or not, just that we're all connected and, and we're all supporting each other. We're all adding this energy, this collective energy. <coughs> and it's just really about supporting one another. And really, yeah, I, I don't know, my voice is acting up a little bit, but um, it happens. Yeah, but the thing is that I want people to see that we all have spiritual help, that we're all tapped into these spiritual beings, the spiritual help. So I just try to facilitate that you are in control of your life. You have more power than you can possibly know. For people that don't know my story, you know, that I had yeah. multiple sclerosis, that I had bipolar, and I don't have them anymore. All from that power of getting rid of that mind junk, all that head trash that's blocking our own good, our own greatness is being blocked. And we're not even aware of it because every day I do a little bit of a daily video on YouTube and I was talking about this. You know, we can either be like doing a mindfulness practice, but most people do a mindless practice. They're not even mm. aware. They're just, whatever the mind says they do is just in this mindless state. There's no self-awareness. And they're just being completely controlled by the mind. And I lived in that state for nearly 40 years. And that made me very sick, stressed out, anxious, worried, panic attacks. You name it, I had it. A lot of self-criticism. And it really provided the fuel for these autoimmune diseases from you know the multiple sclerosis to the psoriasis to the psoriac arthritis that I was a very sick man for a long time. But now I'm not sick because I learned that these are just stories. It's not the truth. It's just stories, opinions, beliefs, that no matter how much we believe these to be true, they're not the absolute truth. They're just true from our limited perspective. Mm. And what's true for us, we, we're creating, basically. So um, I definitely want to you know, touch on your story a bit. I mean, I'm sure you've, you've told it many times, and you're probably thinking, oh, man, can I tell my story again? <laughs> But, but briefly, because because there is your 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 website, of course, um, which is headtrashanonymous.org, right? Yes. Okay. And so people can can you know definitely dig deeper into your story there, and of course you have your YouTube channel and such. But just so people have a little bit of context, life has not been easy. You had you've uh, had to put put to your prayers. I mean, you've had to clear out a lot of head trash that was manifesting some serious health issues and you did and it just so for people listening check out what sam has been through <laughs> he's not your average guy <laughs> yeah because it all started out when i was six years old weren't being run over by a van and the head trauma that caused along with the physical injuries so everything stemmed from the accident at six years old and at that time in the 70s they didn't really understand brain health, if you will. They really didn't have, even today, they're still trying to figure out the brain and how it works and how it controls everything in a, on a scientific perspective. But, you know, that led to a lot of um, mental illness conditions from all that severe head trauma that I had. And for people to get a 
and understanding how bad that accident was for me. Because I, when I was hit by the van, it was actually the last day of first grade. I didn't return to school back to uh, fourth grade. So I was homeschooled for a couple of years. And it wow. spent about a year in the hospital. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's how, that's how life began for me basically at age six. And that carried on throughout, you know, my 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 teenage years and being undiagnosed bipolar as a teenager was a lot of fun. And then later I, when I was suicidal in my twenties, they diagnosed with bipolar. Then it took me about five years to get the medicine right at that point. Then I had all this criticism, self-hate. And um, I talk about this too, you know, the psychiatrist was always prescribing medicine, but he saw me getting sicker and sicker, you know, with the, the psoriasis, the psoriatic arthritis, the migraines, then eventually the multiple sclerosis. But he never once said to me, hey, you realize you have all these thoughts, but those thoughts aren't the absolute truth and you're not your thoughts. It was always like treating me like a mechanical machine and not as, you know, a conscious being a spiritual being they just see that and that's how medicine is being treated unfortunately like they just see us as like a, a bio machine they just keep giving pills to it but there's no real concept of how the mind how this inner environment that we're creating actually dictates what happens within the body so once we clear all this stuff then when the healing can begin the back body can naturally heal itself and that's why I tell people, that's why I inspire people that I'm human, just like you. If we can let go of this mind, the body can take care of itself. I didn't do anything special that no one else can do. I sat in silence for five minutes a day. That was really the way I began with five minutes a day. But I had to learn, you know, that those painful lessons like MS, losing the ability to walk, you know, that really forced me inside. So I dealt with that world for seven years. So I was actually, for people that know MS, I was relapsing, remitting, but then I was switching over to primary progressive, which is that slow decline. So I don't have any of that now because I got, I cleaned up the inner environment. I'm now, I got out of the way of the body's natural ability to heal. Mm -hmm. And so something happened where you began to sit and meditate for five minutes a day so what changed your course from, well, destruction to bliss? Yeah, that's really about it. But I think this is what really is good for a lot of people to, to have. Because I was really like in a corporate IT space, really locked into that heavy mindset, you know, of that. What I can see is what's real, you know, that to see it, to believe it. And so, you know, once I was diagnosed with MS, you know, for the, for a good part of that time, I was pretty much a couch potato with a chronic fatigue, all the issues that I had. Like I couldn't even really go outside if the temperature was above 70 degrees. I had to put my cooling vest on. Even if we went to a restaurant, I would take my cooling vest with me in case it was warm in there. Because if it got warm, I wouldn't be able to swallow. Oh my. Wow. Well, that's some of the issues I was facing. So I was really much, uh, pretty much like a, a couch potato in the summertime. I was a hermit. I couldn't even go outside if it was above 90 degrees. Even with a cooling vest, my, my whole body was shut down, get to severe migraines. So I couldn't even go outside. But um, so, so I just watched a lot of TV, an awful lot of TV. Well, the first year I was diagnosed with MS, I really couldn't really see very well. So I just listened to baseball. Because I just felt all I could do was listen to things because I couldn't really read. I really couldn't do much of anything for six, seven months after being initially diagnosed. Because uh, I went from the worst migraine of my life to uh, not able to walk uh, basically overnight. And that was how it diagnosed me with MS. It's been in the hospital for three weeks. So, yeah. So that was um, some of my journey. But um, I know I'm a bit all over the place. But Oh, no, not really. No, there, there, there's a theme to it all. So, yeah. I mean, you were going through some seriously hard situations and like you mentioned being in the corporate environment. So you managed to be, you know, working during you know, some of this in the corporate environment. And I mean, I'd have to comment there that, I mean, there's something that'll make the individual sick right there. I mean, being in the corporate environment, especially in IT, because that's my, you know, my, what I've done for, well, I guess you could say I probably have 25 years, you know, corporate IT experience and working with everything from as a developer to big data to storage area networks you name it i mean i i do that stuff 
um, gotten away from it the last couple of years and doing other things. Um, but I can say that uh, probably the reason that I, I stopped doing that wasn't so much because I was, it just kind of happened. I would just say after you've had a few nervous breakdowns in a row and you just can't handle it anymore, well, you realize I got to do something else. So it wasn't, I wish I could say, yes, I, I, I decided to change my path. No, I just, I just was going to die if I went back, basically. <laughs> right. yeah, I totally understand. Yeah. I, I had a 22-year IT career. I was yes. 10, 10 years of big data. Mm -hmm. And then I was the subject matter expert in one niche of data within Johnson & Johnson. So I, I was the guy. So there was a lot of pressure, a lot of stress. Yes. Uh, but I know I had to leave that space after I healed myself. Because when they were in these big, you know, serious corporate meetings and these, you know, two managers were like arguing over something, I just found myself laughing at them how serious they were taking this. But I just didn't have that serious mindset anymore after I healed. But what I was getting into in my story was I was yeah. really locked into, you know, I had to see it to believe it. That was my mentality that there was nothing mm -hmm. out there. If I couldn't see it, it wasn't real. So from, from, from MS being a couch potato, I used to watch a lot of paranormal shows. But I didn't know if it was real or fake. You know, you see these ghost hunting shows, but you don't know if it's real or fake. Mm -hmm. So I saw a tweet from one of the ghost hunters about an event that wasn't too far from me in Philadelphia. I thought I can go to that one evening. I could probably go for an hour and, and see see what that's all about. So I actually got a hotel near the, the event. So I know I'd be dealing with a chronic fatigue afterwards, which is another story, another head trash. <laughs> that I'd be dealing with the, the chronic fatigue afterwards. So I did my research on Fort Mifflin in Philadelphia, and I saw the most active place was the casemates. This is where they stored the Civil War prisoners. It was a very active spot the place. So I went into the group that went into this space first because we were going to different places throughout the, fort, throughout the five hours. But I was only going to be there for an hour, so I figured I'd go to the casemates first. So maybe for like the first 15, 20 minutes were extremely boring. Nothing was happening whatsoever. Really boring. Some, until somebody put a flashlight out and they were asking a question like, turn this flashlight on, flashlight would go on, turn this flashlight off, it would go off. So it was going on and off. I thought, that, well, that was interesting, but it's their flashlight. So I put out my flashlight and it was doing the same thing. Mm. So like, oh, that's curious. So there is something here. Then, then a little bit later, I felt like somebody sat next to me that I couldn't see. I just felt somebody sitting next to me, which was a little odd. Then I also felt like this overwhelming sense of dread once in a while. So I thought after that, after that, it's like, well, that's really curious. What happened there? So I started to read some books, trying to figure out, you know, what is the spiritual realm? What is this? So I was starting to read like books from a, a medium. But the thing is, my eyesight wasn't great. If I read for too long, I would get a migraine. So it was very slow prodding through this book. But eventually they talked about meditation. And they always talk about like the benefits of meditation. Like, and one of the benefits of meditation that I read about was inner peace. I'm like, I need that. Because that meditation equals inner peace. I'm like, I need that. So I had no concept of healing. I just simply wanted inner peace. So they didn't really have many instructions on meditation besides like creating a comfortable environment to relax. That was basically the instructions, which was ideal for me because you told my bipolar OCD brain there was rules to meditation. I've been so focused on getting the rules correct. Mm -hmm. I would never gotten out of the mind. So I just learned to sit there and relax. But initially it was under the impression that meditation means you stop thinking. Mm -hmm. Then it took me about two weeks to realize I was a thought chasing a thought that the mind's always going to be producing thoughts. And I was telling the mind to stop thinking, stop thinking. I was just keeping it in a thought loop, if you will. But then I realized that I had thoughts, but I wasn't my thoughts. So in about two weeks after five minutes a day, I realized I had thoughts, but I wasn't my thoughts. That the, people call that self-realization to realize that, hey, I'm not these thoughts. I'm not these stories. I'm not this opinion. So that really created that opening for me to have that. Then after about three months of my simple practice, because really diving into it, well, if I'm not my thoughts, then what am I? That was like my big question. You know, if I'm not my thoughts, who am I? And the answer came about three months later, because after meditation, I would just have a little bit of journaling practice, just free write, you know, after meditation. So one night before I was about ready to journal, I just had this aha moment or hearing this voice say, 
you know, perfect spirit. I'm like, that's it. That's mm. who I am. I'm a perfect spirit. Craig, you're a perfect spirit. Everyone's watching and listening to this is a perfect spirit that's inhabiting this human body. So once I realized that I was perfect spirit, I just had this deep, deep sense that all is well. And the mind got extremely quiet after that. So I, so this carried me through that all is well. So this buzzsaw of noise that was screaming at all, all the time was very quiet. Now I was suddenly hearing this intuitive voice within me to go do this, to go do that. I'm just following these instructions from this deeper place. So roughly about seven, 16, 17 months later, I was off all my medicine, had no signs of disease, no longer needed my cane. It really reminds me, like, no more needed my cane, no more cooling vest, that there was no more health issues. And the last time I saw my neurologist, I had a clean scan. My blood work was better than his, he commented. The only thing he saw with me, he said that everyone has, is a nonspecific hand tremor. But he questioned me for 45 minutes trying to figure out what I did, trying to quantify what I did, and he couldn't do it. It wasn't until I went to a conference in California and I ran into uh, Dr. Gabor Mate, who's uh, a pediatrician, who asked me some questions. I told him my story. He asked me some questions, then ultimately came back and he says, oh, you stop believing your mind. Mm. Mm. Stop believing your mind. Yeah. It's really that simple. You stop believing these stories as your truth. Mm. And and as you were meditating during your your, I imagine you still meditate. But as you you know began meditating, how did the results show up? I mean, when you were meditating in in the beginning, were you meditating to with getting better in mind, or were you just meditating to meditate? And ultimately, how did the results come? How did they begin to appear that your symptoms were going away? Yeah, because for me, it was the whole point of meditation for me was inner peace. I wanted to quiet the buzzsaw of noise. I really wanted to get rid of the, the head trash, but I didn't know it was head trash at the time because they always call it like monkey mind or the internal dialogue. All I know at that point in life, I was extremely stressed out, overwhelmed with life, always wondering what else is going to go wrong because my health was getting worse. You know, it was really in that secondary progressive MS. It was really getting much, much worse, my health. So I was really stressed out, really wondering what else was going to go wrong. So I simply wanted inner peace. So what mm -hmm. I noticed rather quickly within two weeks of realizing I wasn't my thoughts, the stress level went way down. Mm -hmm. And when there's less stress in the body, the body just behaves a lot differently. You're not, you know, and now he's no longer waking up like what else is going to go wrong. Like peace was starting to come. I could actually feel more peaceful after two weeks of that simple five minute practice. And, you know, by, by the third month and hearing perfect spirit, I, I wasn't really stressed anymore. I wasn't overwhelmed. It had no power over me, the mind at that point. Mm. And then your health just organically began to return. Right. And I was just following this intuitive voice to go do this, go do that. So the first instructions I was feeling was like cutting back my medicine. You know, I just had this calling to cut back my medicine, which I don't suggest because, you know, first time I saw my doctor, I told him back, I was coming back my medicine. He kind of freaked out because I started to cut back the psych meds first. And I was suicidal in my twenties. So mm. it was a really big leap of faith, but I was doing it anyway. Cause I just, I just had this knowing all is well. I can't explain. I just had this deep, deep knowing that all is well. And I just really trusted that intuitive voice that this is my path. So as I was going through tapering my medicines, I just noticed I was feeling better and better as I was weaning off my medicines, except for the one medicine, which was a, a benzo, you know, the clonopin I was taking. That was the body was extremely addicted to that. So I actually found my rheumatologist actually worked with me to help me get off that medicine. He was the only doctor supportive of me getting off medicine was my rheumatologist. Everybody else was freaked out. But yeah, I, but I yeah. did, did it, so it's it's fine. 
No, it's good. Yeah, it can definitely, people can get quite concerned when you say you're going to cut back or stop taking meditation. Meditation? No, med- medication. Though you'll, you'll get people really worried when you tell them that, you know. Even if you say, I'm going to get a second opinion, they'll go, oh my gosh, no. It, <laughs> it's especially, like, yeah, especially uh, my, my psychiatrist had real concern. I was I had to be hospitalized twice in my 20s, so I didn't kill myself. Mm. So he was really concerned for my well-being. But I just had this deep, deep, unwavering sense that all is well. All is well. And that's when you start, you mentioned you started to follow intuition. Now, at that point in time, was intuition something new to you? Yeah, it was. I was in this corporate space. I never, I never heard my intuitive voice because always in this buzzsaw of noise. It was just all this noise. I didn't even realize I had this intuitive voice. Now it's talking to me all the time because my mind's so quiet. I just hear these insights that go do this, go do that. And our, you know, on Monday nights, I do soul messages with Lori and we just really get into this intuitive space of just our live YouTube, Facebook show. And we just read for people and we just use cards so we can just focus quicker. But people can ask me the strangest questions and I won't know, but if I sit with it, an answer will rise up. I mean, the really obscure questions, some people can ask me and we're like, I have no idea, but I'll just sit for a second and something will come. Mm -hmm. And that's really a muscle. So of course everyone has it, but until a person has that clear enough channel, uh, to you know, for their intuition, it it does help to ask somebody that they trust that you know has their channel open to the into the, to the intuition. It's useful, and so um, does it seem like it's reasonable to say? I know this is an odd, it, it's almost obvious, right? But intuition can be new for people. Now, maybe it's not new for everyone listening, but of course, it's like it's it's a muscle. And it seems to get stronger the more that you use it. And to me, it seems an essential skill at this time, this physical, intellectual, spiritual, mental skill at this time to really at all, always be tuned into your intuition. You need that turned on, that light switch on all the time. I think that's just an aspect of where humanity is headed. You know, for those who are able, you need it switched on. You just got to have it. We really need that guidance 24 seven these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we really know what's best for us. Because what I like to say is that we live in our body. So we know it the best. So we know what's best for us. And so with all this information we're getting out there with news, with media, all over the place, it's like, how do you discern what is your truth? What is true for you? And, you know, I once heard somebody say, you know, those who go with the flow, the flow of society, go down the drain of not stepping back and saying, is this best for me? Is this really best for me? As opposed to just playing follow the leader. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was like, I think Jimi Hendrix said that uh, in one of his songs, he said, uh, yeah, um, like being a jellyfish is easy, but yeah, yeah. Jellyfish is so... um, laid back and so slack but he ain't got a bone in his jelly back <laughs> something like that you know it's easy being a jellyfish but sometimes the tide's not right you know and then all of a sudden oh it's not so great so yeah it does seem that it, something for me i notice is that you know and then as one turns into their tunes into their intuition more or however you might word that tune into it more they become it more it's there more that then I think there's the aspect of learning how to deal with the chattering intuition, you know, because I think we realize that, wow, we really have this interactive guidance at all times and it's very personalized. And I think that's where some people uh, feel like they're channeling. It's because you, you do have, as you put it, your team. Um, as uh, you mentioned that in your, uh, the, 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 the circle, the session that we did, and you mentioned the team that we have. So it seems that with intuition, and I guess I'm, I'm kind of going in two different directions here, but um, intuition gets chattery and we begin to trust it and that we know that it is functional, that it works, but then it just starts to come and come and come. And if you found that actually, you know, before you were like, you could hardly hear it, but now you're like, you want me to trust what? I should do what? Are you serious? But I'm eating, you know? 
<laughs> we get into the state after a while, you know, that that intuitive voice comes first. Yes. And the mental voice comes second, saying why the first voice is incorrect. Yes. Or some kind of distraction. It doesn't want you. So you, you just start to learn to trust it. It's like, okay, go into, go do this now. No idea why. You don't try to figure out the reason why. You just trust it and you just move with it. And that can be quite the practice because um, the mind the the mind trash does not really like that because all of us have a huge encyclopedia well many of us do uh and it varies in size but this huge encyclopedia of why you can't do anything why you know hey let's go for a walk oh but there might be mosquitoes you know so we, we have this whole <laughs> we you know it's like a reasons why everything is impossible why life is impossible mm -hmm. and i think that it I know for me, I, I actually had a practice of just standing out in the middle of a field with an empty head, you know, which is meditating and just being like, I'm not going to do anything until, until something moves me to do it. it. It's strange. It almost seems like, like an extreme, but just being like, you know, I, I'm going to be at peace here and not move until, you know, something comes to me or I feel a, a, a thought that I know is va something it's, it's strange have you, have, have you had to have you gone through any practices of actually um getting into deeper touch with your intuition I imagine meditation is one but uh, has there been any kind of like hanging out with your intuition to 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 get to know it to, to start to to manage the, the the greater info that comes well I wouldn't really say that and that's what I really think about, you know, I really don't call it the encyclopedia of knowledge. It's really our mental junk drawer. Yes. It has all this stuff that's collecting around in there. That's really creating problems, limitations, because it's coloring every experience. It's pulling out all this stuff, all this junk that we don't want from our mental junk drawer. It's collecting, it's a hoarder. So we just need to throw it out and just be free. But really the intuitive voice is really a, like a lot of words. The intuitive voice is two, three, maybe four yes. words at most. There's the one thing you can really tell the difference between intuition and stuff from the head. Intuition doesn't explain itself. Mm. It just does do this, do that. Like the intuition might say, go drink, drink water. The mind will say, drink water because you need to stay hydrated. You need some kind of justification for it. Intuition isn't that way. It's just like matter of fact, just, just do that. Go to that store go there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Intuition will be like, this is, and you're like, oh, well, that is because of this. Well, I could get into, I could go, well, I feel that they would think this because, and it makes sense that they meant what, it, and no, see, that's, that's where the mind kicks in. It's almost like a, the intuition sounds like Jimi Hendrix and like the mind sounds like Frank Sinatra. <laughs> it's like, it's something like that. There's a, there's a difference. And then you begin to I'd be able to discern between the two, of course. And, you know, I have found that sometimes the mind just wants to play with the intuition a little bit, but as long as you don't let the mind invalidate it or over explain it or make it mundane or take the true meaning of it out. I mean, for me, my mind will sometimes go, I, I need to, I need to mess with this some and, and get into this. And I'm like, okay, you can do that. But still the intuition is the truth. And I, I know it's truth and, and the mind's ramblings. Well, that's cute. Maybe it offers some greater insight, but I'm really, I'm really, it's, it's like 90, 10, as far as the attention, 90% on the intuition and then maybe 10% on the way the mind goes, Oh, let me get into this. Yeah. And that's where most people aren't, aren't even that in tune. You know, most people are really in this mindless state of just very reactive and because they haven't stepped back to see that they have thoughts, but they're not their thoughts. No matter how much they believe their thoughts to be the absolute truth, they're not the truth. Their stories, their beliefs, their opinions, it's all relative from, from their viewpoint. It's like people at a crime scene and you talk to 10 different people, they're all going to see something different because it's, it's this mental filter that we have. So everyone sees something a little bit different. And once you get that filter out, then you can see what the real truth is, what reality is. And spirit sees everything as neutral. It's neither good nor bad. It's just, mm. just is, it's just the current experience. Oh, it absolutely is. Well, so I was in uh, the circle. I believe it's, I think you call it the, the healing circle or just a circle or. Yeah, it's like, it's like a healing circle, but I really don't like the word healing because yeah. there's so much connotation. So I haven't really figured out what to call the circle. <laughs> you know, it's the circle, but I really don't like to imply 
healing circle because healing has all these connotations that's difficult it requires this or that it's really what i'm trying to get people to point back to is their own spirit their own perfect spirit to tune back into themselves to be the director of their own lives i tell people i don't want you to follow me around like a guru i just want you can come in once in a while so i can remind you who you are but once you're remember who you are, then you just march to your own drummer. So that's why I do the circles roughly every three weeks because I don't want people hanging out daily with me or even weekly. I really want them to stand on their own two feet, their own, their own power. And, you know, I've achieved some pretty remarkable things on healing, but I want people to see they can do this too. If they just do, you know, keep listening back to the meditations that we do listen to my YouTube videos where I do like a five minute meditation or an eight minute meditation, whatever it may be. And it's always going back to your own truth, your own strength, and not just thinking the answers out there someplace. And the answer is really within you outside of you, your tools, your aids, but it's not your cure. Your cure is within you. And that's why I'm writing this book right now, the five minute cure. Everyone mm. took five minutes a day to really understand who they are. They would have the cure. They would have the solution to all of their issues because spirit knows. Spirit knows it's, it's tuned into all that is. Yeah. And so it seems that many people really aren't there. And, and that seems like that's, that's a huge aspect of the meditation of the um, there's a great guy, uh, Herbal Jedi, and he calls it like the inner authority. There's this, there is your center, you know. Now, Rumi called it the tent. You're inside the tent, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, one who's one who's in contact with that, they certainly know what it is for them individually. And it seems that that's where you. There's self awareness, and that's when it starts, and that's when everything changes. Mm-hmm. But that, but that is true. There are many who really have no notion of that. And so they are just walking around and they are the opinions they've been given, they're reactionary. And yeah, that's where a lot of, I think, of course, ill health comes from because, or for one thing, I think the, the, the body's not getting any energy because there's no center in it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I really tried to do in my circles is get them to feel that deep peace of perfect spirit. Because once that door is open, and you know what that feels like? The door never gets fully closed. No matter how much the mind chimes again, there's still that door is always going to be cracked open. It's like, oh yeah, I remember that deep peace. Let me go back to that peace. It's like sort of like putting an anchor for people. This is what perfect spirit feels like. So when the mind gets really busy, anchor yourself back go back to that anchor that i planted there and that's where your answers will will be there in that spot waiting for you because once you open that door of awareness it never fully closes yeah and that 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 is definitely a blessing that it does not you know um so in your circle so i've been to one of the group ones and i would have to recommend those to people i I imagine they can find those and sign up to those on your site right Mm -hmm. on your website and so that was a lot of fun. And uh, what got me was I, I really had a, a, a positive experience. So, you know, we go around the circle a bit. Anybody who wants to talk about why are they there? What would they like to work on? You know, Sam hears that. And then we kind of have a meditation and Sam just, he just goes on, you know, <laughs> he just does his thing, his Sam thing. And, and it's, it's wonderful. But I mean, I could feel it. And that was the wonderful thing because one of my things was, you know, really a good deal of head trash that was key, that that keeps me from well that the, the the constant criticism. I'm not doing the right thing. I should be doing this. Well, I do like no matter what you do is wrong. You know, you're you're not doing enough, etc. It, it, it's pretty common. But um, I also realized while we were doing that that there was more to it. I was like, wow, this is this is one of the things that messes up my manifestation ability. You know, because we can create. And I was like, yeah, because I'm, you know, rather than just having that beautiful vortex of energy and and creating i would start going oh yeah you want to create this but well this is why it's wrong 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, but after the session, I was like, wow, I'm like, I need to go over this to this, just this, this, as it began to continue downloading and working itself in, I was like, man, I'm gonna go over this junk drawer and I'm just, just going to dump this thing out and, and just put it because there's just no point. This is silly. There's, I could work on each of these things. I could try to validate it. I could go talk to my inner child. I could, nah, forget it. Just, just dump that out because right. that that's where you're getting at the end anyway in the end that, that's where you get so just do it now i mean it's a day that just that's why i have a daily mental shower just end of the day just empty out your junk drawer yeah just let it go and that's what i'm like in three weeks my next circle at the end of march i'm doing like letting go of the money struggles which will be a manifestation i think we'll probably end up getting into the zero point which is a quantum field then there's a practice that I like to come through like painting with light at that point when mm. you're painting your new reality it's almost you have this blank easel in front of you and you're just painting this new future this new manifestation where there's no mental things it's like completely fantasy and you don't worry about how you just create and let the universe let spirit take care of the how we just have to set that intention paint that future the universe will take care of it it knows the way and that's powerful because I know that there are many good manifestors out there, you know, many good creators out there, and they understand how it all works, but you know, none of us are necessarily perfect yet. And yeah, people will start thinking, well, okay, so uh, I'm, I'm visualizing this, but oh, so-and-so would be mad if I did that. Okay, so I'm going to forget that. Okay, well then, okay, would this be next week? Oh, I, I, I got to, okay, the week after, oh crap, okay, okay, three weeks, here I am but this person's still mad at me. Okay, so, and I know it sounds funny, but I, I really caught myself doing that. I was like, after the uh, circle with uh, Sam, I was like, man, I'm, you know, and I wasn't mad at myself, but I was like, it was just comical. I was like, give me that junk drawer. This is ridiculous. And it makes you realize that, you know, that junk drawer is messing up. Well, of course your health, your happiness, your now, but it's messing up your that like manifestational stream, which I think is essential. We need to have our intuition and we need to be able to create a nice path for ourselves mm -hmm. that, because you know, life is not supposed to be a struggle. And, you know, if you're on that spiritual journey, well, you, you kind of need things to be intact so that you can do so. You don't want to be worrying about basic survival and things like that. You want to be, you know, doing other things. And so, even that can be tough for people. You mean you say you mean life's supposed to be happy and it's supposed to be easy and you're supposed to be creating and having fun and doing all this great stuff and hanging out with like-minded people and and yeah, I mean and it's like yes, but other people are suffering in the world. Yes, you know, <laughs> it's like it's okay if you're happy. It's funny. So, you know, a lot of these things are things that I know, but I would definitely say, and it's great that we had our I was able to do a session, a group one with Sam before this because it really helped me realize man he will open your energy up <laughs> that's what i tell people is that this is one of the myths out there that, I, that i'm really trying to get to people is that you're not raising your vibration you're restoring your vibration mm -hmm. because you gotta think of yourself like when you're born into this you're born a perfect pitch bell your perfect tone belt, perfect. Then what happens as age goes on, you keep adding tape to your bell with these different stories, different beliefs. You're putting all, all this tape on your bell. So after a while, it just goes thud. It doesn't make any, there's no tone, there's nothing to it. But you start taking off all this tape and you start getting that tone back. Then once you get all that tape removed, you just restored your vibration. Because when you're born, that's the highest vibration because you just came from the other side. So you're that the highest peak vibration when you, that moment you're born manifested into this world. That's your, absolutely the highest vibration because you are the vibration of the universe at that time. You just left the other side into this realm. So that moment right there is your highest vibration. So we remove all that head trash. You go back to that state where all is possible, that there's no limitations, no restrictions. Yeah. And and that's a beautiful thing. And I like the way you put, um, you know, we're restoring our, our vibration because um, Aline McCusick, she's really a kind of a pioneer in biofield tuning, which is just uh, helping to clear the body's energy with tuning forks, mm -hmm. you know? And she says that, uh, you know, there's too much talk about raising your energy. And she was like, well, if you raise your body's energy too far out of the Schumann resonance, you know, range, you would just die, right? So, so you don't really want to raise your energy. Um, you want to turn up your voltage. 
is what you really want to do. You know, like you're already the perfect light bulb, just right. But 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 the dimmer is way down. You just need to crank that that voltage up, and you'll just shine. You'll get where you want to be. You know, yeah. it's like that head trash is creating our lampshade. Pull. Yes, it's like your mental junk drawer. You know, it's just, uh, it's creating a lampshade. Just throw it off. It only takes a second. Just throw it off. That's all. Yeah. Let your light shine. Uh because we make it too complex. The mind loves complexity. That's mm -hmm. why I was really fortunate. You know, I tell people it doesn't have to be five minutes. If you can't even do five minutes, a minute, two minutes to start to get that awareness. And if you just can't meditate, then you do a mindfulness practice, which basically means that you're keeping yourself present here. So when the mind's off in its story, you're like, okay, where are my feet? What do I see? I'm standing in line right here, right now. Who's in front of me? What are they wearing? What's their hair like? And really become in tune with this moment because you're either lost in the story or you can be right here in this moment. And that little practice of like standing in line will pick gaps into the thought stream. The more gaps, the more peace, the more peace, the more you're going to hear that intuitive voice. So for people that don't want to do meditation, then do a mindfulness practice, which is really just learning to be here in this moment and not beating yourself up, not judging yourself, just noticing when you're in a story, oh, there's the story. What do I see? What do I touch? What am I hearing right now? And, you know, we're so, but we're so in this mindless state and watching TV is perfect to be in a mindless state. You're just getting lost in the story of TV, but you can step back and make that a mindfulness practice and notice the clothes the actors are wearing, mm. noticing the scene, noticing the details and not getting lost in the story, but just say, oh, that story is nice, but let me notice what's really taking place. And look at this too. It's a screen and look how it's affecting you emotionally. How that's how I'm getting trapped into it because TV takes you below that realm of thoughts. So it's really getting to the emotional stuff and stirring that all those emotions up. So it's really about there's all sorts of little practices that you can do that make it really simple. We can just do that kind of stuff for two, three minutes, but then the mind will throw in the boredom story because the mind wants to go into the shiny object. So this would make you bored. And for meditators, the way it shows itself is you'll fall asleep during meditation. The mind has all these defense mechanisms to prevent from giving up control. The mind wants to stay in control. And we like to tell people is your mind it loves the suffering because it's, it's familiar. So mm -hmm. the mind is comfortable with, with being uncomfortable. What the mind hates is the unknown. To take that leap of faith, like what's going to happen? The mind hates that and it will protest. Lots of protest. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, I certainly have felt that protest, you know. So I guess really you have to just, that's the trick of just letting the mind protest and you just do it anyway. You go. <laughs> yeah, you just yeah. do it anyway. Yeah, we're going. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, yeah. And then it goes, okay, I'll just, I'll just contemplate, you know, what we'll have for lunch. Okay, you do that and I'll, we'll go over here and adventure. <laughs> yeah, the mind will do what it does, but eventually the mind will quiet down. Yes. It will, it will eventually settle down. It's like a dog, you know, like an untrained dog will drag you all over the place. Yes. But eventually it won't be pulling you. You, you won't be so pulled and thrown all over the place. It'll be like, oh, there goes the story and you rein it back. There's the story. Let me come back. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of one of the things that I do for peace is I, sometimes I'll feel like a wind up rubber band airplane and you wind up at your run up that rubber band and wind it up and wind it up and it's so tight and that's like your mind and you let it go and it just it just exhausts itself and then a rubber band is nice and loose and it just comes in for a landing you know sometimes the mind has to just let itself work out like I'll do a hike out here in the in the uh, in, in in the desert and it's a couple of miles and it's up and down hills and such. It's a bit strenuous, but I'll do it because um, it's almost like I can let the mind go and I can let that. Now my body is walking, it's hiking, it's exercising. I'm seeing nature, I'm in it. And the mind is just going like, it's just, but that's fine. You know, cause by the time it's over, it's just the right distance where I get to the end. The mind's like, ah, you know, I'm really glad you were willing to like, listen to me. Yeah. I feel a lot better, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah yeah during that hike you're you're aware of your, your feet hitting the ground you're yes there, you're hearing the birds you're just aware of that you're just 
if you're walking with a dog, you're aware with the dog is exploring your your attention there because you're either your attention is either in the mind or in this moment. They can't be in two places. And for people like to say they can multitask, I t challenge them to read and write at the same time. Oof. <laughs> Yeah, we can't do it. Read and highlight at the same time. <laughs> Maybe you could do that. Oh my goodness! But you wouldn't do either one very well. So, right. if a person, so I've been to the group circle, and I think that's just wonderful. I'd recommend it to people, of course. Um, for the individual that wanted to work with you, do you do individual one-on-ones with people? Yeah, that's usually a lot of fun. The one-on-ones because then. Then we really bring out your team, my team, we sort of join forces and then you get a customized meditation specific to you as mm. well. You know, that's in, when I'm in that space, you get a meditation that's specific to you. So that's why it's really good for that. And um, yeah, really magical things happen in these meditations. The best story I can think of when, when I did a private session, I got a call from a friend you know, a mutual acquaintance was in the hospital with cancer. She was stage four cancer metastasized throughout her body. So when I walked into the hospital room, I saw she was like literally days away from death. She was really in a bad, bad state. So I sat down with her. We did about a, a meditation for less about, I would say about 75 to 90 minutes. It was a longer meditation than more than normal. So I was just leading her through this meditation. But it was much later that I actually found out what happened on her experience of it. But she later went out of the hospital and started to make a recovery. Um, but she described it as seeing this golden energy that was weaving in and out of her body. And whenever she closed her eyes, she just saw this gold energy weaving out in and out of her body. So, you know, she went from like, you know, about to die. So she got an extra five years. So wow. she got to see like some big important milestones, you know, for her, for her family, like seeing her son graduate, um, you know, school it really makes me emotional to think that, she had five more years to, to yes. have this human experience because she was such in such bad shape. It was just really getting to see that she had that spirit within her that at least regardless of how damaged the body was, she was able to still make a recovery, still get some kind of healing in until eventually the body just wore out. Eventually the other body wears out in time. We just had to delay it a little bit so she can have these milestones, enjoy some more and share her story too, that she could impact those other cancer patients that are dealing with stage four cancer metastasized in a hospital, that she can be an advocate for them. You know, when she's like in year three, year four, doing really well, you know, after that stay and motivating people, inspiring people like this show that, hey, you're still alive. There's still a possibility. There's still experiences to be had that all is not hopeless because you'll hear all these stories, you know, all these woe is me stories. And it's just pissing a really disempowered state. But if you find that joy in that moment and really help her, help her to see that. And I have other stories like that as well. And you know, the, the, another story that's coming to mind, I was aware of a friend tried to commit suicide. So what, excuse my intuition, I was like, all right, this is where they live. Where are they going to be? So I actually found the hospital, not relative, but a, I, I was like, I know she's probably in this place. So of course, the front desk, you know, they couldn't tell you exactly, but I was asking them questions and they sort of indicated that, yeah, she may be here. But so I got that kind of confirmation that she's probably here. So I just sat in a waiting room and I just started to do my own silent process. But then I also learned something from this as well. But, you know, I, then afterwards, it did come out to me and say, yeah, you'll be able to see her tomorrow. She'll probably be in the ICU. And but I got back the next day, I came back. She wasn't in the ICU. She was in perfect health. She was very mad at me. Because hmm. I actually called the police because she actually said, I took all these pills and I called the police and they actually were able to rescue her and get her to the hospital. So, um, so, but what I learned from that experience was, well, at that point, she did take way too much pills and it would have been too much if I didn't step in. But the next time she did try this, I didn't step in because this is a lesson that she meant to learn that she wasn't and wasn't her time to go. She had things to accomplish here. So the second time I saw she wasn't in, in grave, immediate life danger. It would just be her in a hospital for a while, but that's the lesson she needed to realize 
Life is meant to be here to be lived. You're here for a reason. Mm. So I can work two ways. You know, I can do that silent healing and really make an impact on them. But then I'm taking, then I learn from that. Then sometimes I'm taking away that their lesson that they're meant to learn. You know, if we're having that suicide experience, we're meant to learn from that. That every experience is here for us to learn, to grow from, to see that this mind is leading us down a dark alley at times. Yeah, that's one of the things about having, you know, lived for a little while is that that wisdom does come if a person can can connect to it, can understand it, is that, you know, we realize, man, I've had some really crappy experiences. And oftentimes, they're exactly what I wanted. I was like, yes, I want this crappy experience. I will have it. I'm manifesting this. It's mine. I won, you know, and, <laughs> and you're just like, you know, three months later, you're like, man, I sure am glad I dodged that bullet, you know? <laughs> yeah, there's an absolute big element of truth there. You manifested it. You created yes. that experience that our thoughts do create our reality. Mm -hmm. oh, they absolutely yeah. do. And I was constantly doing that because when I had a new diagnosis, I'd read everything about it, new medicine, read all about it and all the side effects. So it was obviously making my health worse. Yes. Like what else is going to go wrong? Oh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Cause we are manifesting. So that's the thing. It's that, uh, and like there, there's sort of manifestation that is deliberate, you, you know, and we can manifest well, both, you know, light filled paths and dark alleys and, and we need both, you know, we're going to just, hopefully as one gains a bit of wisdom, they go down more, you know, light filled paths than dark ones. It's certainly preferable, but, uh, um, it does seem the thing is though, if one isn't hasn't gained that consciousness, that self-centered, that the consciousness, really the manifestation is all by chance. It's like if you don't manifest your own reality, somebody's well, it will be manifested for you. It just may suck or it might be great, but it's really truly by chance. Now, I, I don't really even see anything by chance because there's still an element of you that is giving them permission to buy into it, to accept that that's my lot in life. I guess I just have to go with it. And because I see, I really don't see anything as luck or chance that we mm. are really in control by our thought processes or the accumulation of experiences, that accumulation of the mental junk drawer building up as really manifesting that reality. And we have to see, you know, we want to be empowered. If we think people, things are happening to us, it's a very disempowering state. It's victimhood. And a lot of people are in that state of blame. It's not my responsibility. I didn't do this. They did this to me. Mm -hmm. And it's really disempowering. So you really have to see that I'm creating this reality. Or maybe there's another possibility that comes as well as, especially for like young children that are very, very sick. They don't, you know, but they came in with this sole purpose, if you will to experience this, whatever they're experiencing as a baby, as a child. They didn't really create it on this physical reality. They created before they came into this world that I need to experience this to benefit my own soul growth and benefit maybe my parents dealing with the situation, humanity around it, dealing with the situation. It's like this collective group lesson, if you will. Oh, it's, it's true. It's true. Well, you know, there are people that we, you know, meet that are suffering and they're unhappy and they're, they're stuck in that kind of dark closet and that dark alley. And really, as one of the things that I've had to come to realize myself is that, you know, it's up to them to turn that light on. Like many people are, are, are stuck in the fog. We can find ourselves stuck in that fog. We don't know which way to go. We can't see any real direction. It just seems like, you know, you're in the fog, you're the dark alley, but I've almost found it's difficult because there's really not much advice you can give people. It's like, well, you know, when it's time, you will connect to yourself and you will know what to do, you know, but until then, yeah, you're probably stuck in the dark alley. You're probably stuck in the fog. Um, I love you. I'll do what I can. I, I wish you well, but it's, it's really on you. I've been there, you know, and I, I hope you get to it quick because there's, you know, that, that time spent, it is important for our growth, but oh, there's this part of me that sometimes does feel that, uh, I know I'm speaking very mundane and, and in a very linear way, but that time wasted, you don't get back. Right. 
I just want you to realize that time, time is a finite resource. We only get a certain amount of bucket of time and that's it. And it's like anything else that we manifest like money is an infinite supply. Are you open to receive it? But time itself is a finite resource. You may be able to extend that time, if you will, by taking care of yourself, but there's, you still had a bucket. And maybe your poor health choices reduce that bucket. You can refill it back up with making these proper choices. But yeah, there's a lot of people that I've talked to and you basically said, I can never do that. You're special. I can never do that. And that's oh. the mental junk drawer. Mental junk drawer. Well, I don't want to keep it too long. You know, um, I know it's late on your end of the world over there and your end of the, of, of the continent, but I did want to ask, so one of the things that you mentioned while we were, while we were in the circle and you have mentioned uh, is your team and how do you do, so what is, who is a person's team? Because we certainly do have them. Yeah. Yeah. So it usually, it can be from like ascendant masters, angels. It's really, it's up to the individual and it might not be your team that's there for your whole life. It's there for that current experience. Usually it's, you know, the distant grandparents around distant aunts, uncles. It could be a brother, sister that you maybe perhaps lost or a friend, they could they could come to you. And it's just, um, and this might be not, doesn't really make sense to people that we are perfect spirits. It's just a matter of whether in body or out of body. And our spiritual team is basically perfect spirits without body. Now they drop their body, but now they're perfect spirit. Now they're like, oh, you're, you're my, you're, you're part of my flesh experience. So now they just come to assist you with that. And that's the best way I can explain it is that you do have these guides, you support. And the way that I developed my team, if you will, was um, I start working with this divine love energy. That's why I really see that this one perfect spirit is this universal love that's unconditional. It's like the strongest energy in the universe. Then the few years after that, I worked with a Peruvian shaman who taught me how to bring in the doctors of the spiritual realms. And two of the doctors seem to have stuck with me over the years since I met him about five, six years ago, which is Galen from Rome. You know, he was a first century doctor of antiquity. There's still some things in neurology that he discovered that still, he discovered that had like muscle contractions and things like that, the neurology. And then um, the other doctor was Paracelsus from the 15th or 16th century who discovered this mind-body type connection. So those two doctors pretty much stuck with me since then and they're always in my circles. And usually, you know, lots and lots of them come through, dozens, hundreds, it's really hard to say, but everyone has at least two to three guides with them at all times. You know, your guardian angel, if you will that we always have these two or three, but they can't act without your permission unless your life is in immediate danger. That's this free will that we have. Do we accept help or not accept help? That we all we have, have, has, have this choice. Like, do we listen to our intuition or do we listen to the mind? We always have a choice. Do we want them to step in? So when we get this quietness and this wisdom just rises up out of the, the stillness, it could be like our team, if you will, filling us with these insights really don't know but you can even see that this is common like Eckhart Tolle will read three by five cards and say I like to know the answer too or the Dalai Lama he's a prime example of Dalai Lama he's always touching things if you notice the Dalai Lama he's always touching things he's always keeping himself here in this moment and people will ask him the craziest questions too but he'll say I don't know and he'll walk away but then he'll circle back to that person said, and then he'll tell them the answer. Yes. Mm. Because he's here in this moment. And when you're here in this moment, you're allowing intuition to rise up. Oh, absolutely. And with our team, you know, one thing I'm reminded of when you mentioned that is that our relationships that we have with people that are, let's say in a body right now are like body reality, you know, mm -hmm. oftentimes, or actually, I would say all the time, those are oftentimes, <laughs> all the time, they're oftentimes, <laughs> whatever, same thing. Those relationships are happening at different levels too, you know? So you've got your physical, you have your astral level, you have your mental, like really, I think that uh, as one begins to have that intuition, that self-awareness, and you realize, wow, my connections to those that are in my life that I know 
are a whole different deal than I thought they really were. I thought we just met on Tuesdays and played, you know, Scrabble. But then you realize, no, no, your relationship's a lot more than that. And it's not just that physical act. Right. Yeah, you're always intertwined with them on, on some level. And you can really see this in twins. Oh, yeah. You know, twins is a great example of that connection. They always have an awareness of what's going on with the other person or what the other person is experiencing. And we do that with our really close friends, too. Like I had this friend, this friend in India, Rishi. And one time I just sent a message, don't eat the mangoes. Mm. And he just said, how'd you know? My mom just picked mangoes this morning. It's like, don't eat them. There's something not quite right with them. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's really good. That's one thing I do see people that do work with me frequently. I will get those intuitive hits once in a while. We'll send them this random message. Hey, I don't know what's going on, but I'm feeling this. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's it's absolutely true, you know. And so, well, I would en- I would encourage the radiant creators, you know, audience <laughs> to do exactly that, you know. <laughs> Definitely have some fun with your friends, you know. It's just like whatever you do, turn left when you see the giraffe, you know. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, Sam, the miracle man, Sam Shelley, the miracle man, your website, of course, is um, headtrashanonymous.org. And if people go there, they can connect to your Facebook and your YouTube and they can, you know, learn more about you. And so other than that, where can people get a hold of you? Definitely people should sign up for your circle. Yeah, that's why I try to make the circles affordable too. You know, I want people to join. I can make it even more affordable if they commit to a year of year of meditations. I do about 17, 18 a year. They're less than $10 a meditation and each one's recorded. So eventually you'll have this library. Oh, I'm dealing with money issues. Let me listen to this one. Oh, dealing with not loving myself. Let me pull this meditation out. So you can eventually get this collection of meditations of like to inspire yourself to remember who you are in that situation. So yeah, they can find me on my headtrashanonymous.org. But every day I'm posting a new video on YouTube understand the miracle man i've been doing that for about 100 days now and i tend to do that each day of just creating something so today i talked about you know meditation versus mindfulness versus mindless so you can sort of get those ideas and then i talk about too you know when people tell you to snap out of it or let it go it's not that simple and i talk about that too about you can't just tell people to snap out of it if it was that easy we would have no issues, no problems, but we were in this human body. So yeah, always reach out to me. I love questions, love ideas. And that's why I tell people in the circles, you know, what do you want me to talk about? Because I can just share my own stories, but I really want to know what situation you're dealing with. Because I don't live in your body. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what the story is. So I can help you move you back to remember who you are, that you are this perfect spirit. You do have the answers. You just got to learn to trust yourself and to ease back into who you really are. Perfect spirit, consciousness, whatever you want to label it, but it's just a label. You're that which can't be defined. Yeah. Yeah, really. Exactly. Take out the trash and you can get after it. And then you realize that, you know, yes, just because your mom spelled your name wrong on the birthday cake when you were three, life's not over. You know, you're carrying that crap still. You're 50, all right? Enough. You know? <laughs> right. I, yeah, somebody actually had an experience when they were like a six-year-old girl that was actually preventing them from having relationships in her 30s. Really? Kind of, yeah. 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 Well, maybe as people attend your circles and they begin to become, well, many people who, who are listening already do meditate and such like that, but definitely hop on uh, Sam circles because, you know, something I do think that is helpful is when we find a sense of humor about such things and someone can say, oh, you did the birthday cake thing too. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really fun. Another remind me of another funny when I was actually do, able to do in circle, circles in person, I actually had to stay for an extra two hours because this person was in hysterics. They were just let, reviewing all their life stories and it was just hysterical. I believe this to be true. I believe this to be true. And they were literally hysterical. They like snapped awake that night and were doing a life review in that moment. All these stories were just popping up in their mind. 
and she was just in hysterics just laughing for two oh. hours straight oh wow that is blissful that is blissful wow <laughs> that'd be a that, that would be a viral youtube right there i'm sure she's <laughs> <laughs> like oh i believe this to be true and she was a hysterical and i believe this story to be true it was like she had a life review in that like moment she was mm -hmm. like doing all these stories that were just popping to mind. i believe this to be true when i think this was true laughing like two hours of like all these major experiences that she had in her life wow. and then, of course after that i never heard her saw from her again because she was free just free yeah well something people to remember or realize is that um miraculous things can happen you know um the mind can tell you sometimes oh it will take a thousand lifetimes or whatever you're just getting started meditating it has all these reasons why you know uh nothing's going to happen but um yeah i can say you know firsthand you know crazy miraculous stuff like that happens and you know sooner than you think and so everybody, you know, get after it, connect to yourself, connect to your source and, uh, you know, live from there. It's, it's a lot of fun. And then truly anything is possible. And the whole birthday cake incident becomes hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Well, life becomes hilarious. You realize, you know, the, how, how seriously took things and you really are here to play, to enjoy life, to be serious in some moments, but most of the time you're here for to play, to enjoy life because we have to realize this is our only human experience that we know of there's no guarantee that we'll have another human experience so we have to make the most of this human experience and this one body because we can't order another body this is it when this body goes this human experience is over yeah yeah and as be, before we sign off i just ask do you think one of the problems people have is the desire to save the world because for me i've had at least for me I go, wow, one of the problems I've had to get over is, oh, I need to fix the world. If everyone's not happy, then I cannot be happy. And you realize, no, the world's great. And who shows up that is in your path, that individual, and you, you work with that. But truly, you're here to become self-aware and to create. You're really not here to save the world. That will just drive you mad. And who you're supposed to save, well, they'll show up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know? it, it took me a while, too. So it was also after my healing, it's like, I got to give this out to everyone. And, you know, talking to like the MS folks, they're like, no, I can't do that. You're special. I can't do that. Then you realize like it's their own journey to wake up to their truth. I'm only here as a guide. I can't save anyone. They have to make the, the effort, the attempt to at least change something in their life. Yeah, it's true. And then they do or they don't. <laughs> it's their choice it's yeah. their free will that's the beautiful part of it wow yeah. all right well sam the miracle man thank you so much for being on radiant creators and we'll get this uploaded to probably tomorrow or the next day and i'll send you a link to it and it's been great and uh look forward to future circles and uh i will see you one way or the other again soon yeah it'll be lots of fun thanks a lot bye-bye You are listening to Radiant Creators, a collaborative project composed of people whose passion, purpose, and dedication requires forging their own unique path of empowerment and livelihood. A Radiant Creator isn't making a living, they are living.